This episode is brought to you by Mightier. Mightier is a biofeedback-based video game platform that teaches kids to emotionally self-regulate. This leads to a significant reduction in meltdowns and parental stress. It's backed by science out of Harvard Medical and Boston Children's and has helped over 100,000 kids. For more information, visit theautismdad.com forward slash mightier. That's theautismdad.com forward slash M-I-G-H-T-I-E-R and use the code theautismdad22 to save 10%. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, I sat down with my 15-year-old autistic son, Emmett, and we had a conversation that I think will be enlightening uh, for a lot of you out there to listen to, and we had a lot of fun recording it. But we wanted to talk about just how different every person diagnosed with autism or ADHD is. A lot of times we tend to assume that because people have a similar diagnosis or the same diagnosis that they are the same or that they struggle with the same things or they experience life in the same way. And that is just not true. So we're going to share our personal stories about what life is like in our house with three autistic kids and, uh, three people with ADHD. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in. Keep your questions coming. We love answering them. And uh, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation because we had a great time recording it. All right. So Emmett and I are back. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but you guys seem to really like it. So we're going to just put it in the wind column. I'm offended. You are offended? That's okay. Yeah. Well, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I just mean... Well, I didn't mean like Emmett's here. Like, how, how do you think I'm supposed to take that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, exactly. It was supposed to be funny, but apparently you're very literal. So <laughs> I forgot about that. All right. So what we're going to do today is one of the things that I've been talking a lot about recently is that just because kids share the same diagnosis does not mean that they experience everything in the same way. And that the parenting uh, that's necessary to raise them is is going to be the same because it's not. Everybody's different. And so what we thought would be fun is, you know, we can talk about what the experience is in our home because there are three people in our house that are diagnosed with autism and three people who are diagnosed with ADHD. And we are vastly different from each other. And I thought we could just sort of talk about what that's like and, and highlight some of those uh, differences to, to just kind of show how unique each person with autism or ADHD actually is. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a good idea. Okay. He says it's a good idea, so it's got to be a good idea. Maybe. I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> okay. All right. So let's see. How, let's, start like, let's start it like this. Okay. So, so all three of you boys uh, are diagnosed as being autistic. Yeah. All right. And Gavin was the first one diagnosed. Yep. Then it was you. Uh, really? I and was diagnosed it... before Elliot? Yes. Huh. Didn't know that. Yeah. And the reason that it was like that is because when Gavin was diagnosed, 
I thought that autism was how he presented. Mm. Right. And so then little Emmett comes along and he's non-speaking and has some, you know, aggressive behaviors and some challenges as a result of, I think, inability to communicate. Yeah. Right. A lot of sensory stuff, a lot of ADHD impulsivity too, from a very young age, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. but it was very different than Gavin. And so autism never crossed my mind. Right. Until we found out that you, you know, we went through the whole hearing screening and stuff because we thought you couldn't hear. And then ultimately we knew we found out that you could and that you were tuning out the world. And that took us down that diagnosis, uh, that, that road to a diagnosis. And so then you were diagnosed with autism. And so then it was like, okay, well then what, what, you know, how Gavin presents can be autism and how you present can be autism too. Well, Elliot was very, very different. And so when, when it came to him, he was very verbal speaking, you know, at a very early age, he was not behaving the way that Gavin was. He didn't have the sensory issues that you were struggling with. And so I thought it seemed perfectly normal to me until, or or typical is a better word for it, until his preschool orientation, when I saw him interacting with his neurotypical peers. And then I, I recognized that there were some unique qualities to Elliot. Like what? Like playing by himself, lining things up, um, not navigating social situations, you know, in, in the, the same way that, uh, kids in his age group would normally do that. And so it just was, it was, it was enough for me to say, okay, something's going on. And then we went down that road with, with him. So that's why you guys were diagnosed out of order. Gavin, then you, then Elliot. And it, it was just because I had made the assumption that everybody with autism would present the same way. And that isn't the case. And that wasn't a good line of thinking. No, no, it wasn't. No. Uh, <laughs> and so you guys are, you guys are much older now and, and are still very different from each other. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you feel, well, what are some of the things that you, you feel like you have in common with your brothers that would, that would be sort of autism related? Um, I, I don't know. He's got the deer in the headlights look right now. Uh, <laughs> and there's no right or wrong answer. So there, yeah, I is know, it too broad? I, no, it's not that. It's, I can't really think of anything. What about sensory stuff? Uh, I wouldn't say we share any sensory issues. You and Elliot absolutely share sensory issues. Like what? Like texture for clothing, food. Um, he can't. He doesn't wear socks because he doesn't like the way they feel. You would never wear socks if you could, because you hate the way they feel. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, he's very particular about pants that he wears because he doesn't like the way that they feel. Right. Mm-hmm. You are what? Very particular about the pants that you wear because you don't like the way they feel. <laughs> I just thought about this. Yeah. Another thing that uh could have made the sock situation for me worse hmm. is uh I have very wide feet. And so if I was putting on a pair of small socks, those seams would just 
press into my foot because they would they're stretched yeah. out. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And so it might not have been when we found socks that had less seams, but socks that fit wider feet and just didn't stretch as much. Yeah, but you didn't, your feet were tiny for the longest time until you hit that crazy growth spurt. That's true. But, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't, maybe that wasn't so much a factor back then, but maybe it's more of a factor for you now. Yeah. That's interesting. I never, I never would have thought about that. I but, literally just thought about it. But it's true because if you think about it, if you're pulling the sock tighter, right, to fit it over yeah. a, a, a bigger area, then that seam is going to be sort of like pressed up yeah. against your foot. That's interesting. I never, I never would have thought about that. Like Elliot wears his socks inside out. Have you noticed that? Really? He wears his socks inside out, so the seam is on the outside. Hmm. You've not noticed that? No. How long have you lived with him? Literally your whole life? I don't stare at his feet. That's weird. I'm not saying. Uh, you do you st- stare at people's feet? No, I don't happen to like feet. But you I, seem to know a lot about feet for I, someone who doesn't like them. I notice his socks because I buy <laughs> them for him, and he wears them inside out. It used to drive me crazy because he'd wear them inside out, or they wouldn't match, or whatever. And, and then I realized that he's wearing them inside out because there's no seam or less of a seam when you wear them inside out. And then he doesn't care about the color combination or how they match. Yeah. That's he, I think he did that partly to annoy me. Mm-hmm. But the inside yeah. out served a very real purpose. Have you ever done that? No. I don't, I don't think you've ever worn them inside out. It you should feel, try it. No, it feels wrong. Does it? Yeah, because then it's like you have a giant long pebble in your shoe. Because the seam is on the outside of your foot. Oh. And not the inside. That's a good point. And so it's like if you were to just like put a shoe on and then you're like, oh, what's like that feeling? And you like take your shoe off and it's like a pebble or small stick or whatever, Mm -hmm. depending on what you're doing. Uh, And you just like, oh, I don't I don't like that feeling in my foot. I feel like that's all that that would feel like. Yeah. That's really interesting that he isn't bothered by that, but you are. And he is bothered by having his socks right side out. You are not. Like you wear your socks like the way they're intended to be worn and you can do okay with that. But he is the opposite of that. That's interesting because you both have autism. You both have ADHD and you both have sensory processing issues, but you experience it in a very different way. I can say one other thing that I feel like uh, most people would agree upon. What's that? Uh, wet socks are the worst. <laughs> uh, wet, wet socks are awful. Just like wet shoes? Yeah. That's terrible. And it's like, say you're walking on a tile floor, you got dry, warm socks straight out of the dryer Christmas morning, and it's great. And then you step on a tiny puddle, and it's not even your whole foot that gets wet. It's like one toe. And it's it's the worst. Yeah, that's not fun. I mean, I I don't think I would be bothered as much by something like that. But I like if I step in a puddle or something like that with my shoes and my socks get wet, I I I have a really hard time with that. <laughs> I have a very hard time with that. Um, so what other differences have you noticed between you and your brothers, whether it's food related or um, 
you know, everyday stuff. Uh, I am more social, and I'm not sure if that's an autism thing. No, usually it's the opposite. But, no, I'm saying, like, Elliot and Gavin... Oh, 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 oh. ...are, like, more secluded, right? Well, well, more maybe introverted? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I am much more social than they are that is tr- that that's very true you and you've always been that way you've always yeah. been that way you were a little social butterfly um that's a really good i wouldn't have thought to bring that up that's that's so true and it's a little bit harder to recognize now i think just because like gavin's working mm-hmm. so he's around people all the yeah. time he's going to his day service so he's around peers his own age um you know, Elliot is is trying to kind of find his place, I think, because it's it's weird for him, I think, because he is he graduated high school early and he started working early. So he's in kind of this place where most kids his age are doing something like one thing and he's at a stage in life where he's doing something else. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to to find peer groups where there's kind of that overlap. Uh but I think Elliot, I mean, he, he wants, he wants that social interaction. It's just harder for him to find. Yeah. That's a really good, that was a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I mean, typically a lot of times when you think of autistic kids or when you, if you talk to parents, it's the kids are socially awkward or they like to play by themselves or, you know, they, they want to interact, but they do so in a way that might be a little bit odd or weird, you know, the way it's perceived by their classmates or whatever. And so it kind of puts them in kind of a uncomfortable place where they tend to be more isolated. I think sometimes. Yeah. Um, you have always been very socially appropriate is the only way that I can think to say it. And and it's not, I don't mean it to sound like in a negative way, but you have always been very social, very engaging and seeking out that type of connection. Yeah. Elliot, Elliot is like that now. He wants that connection now, but but he spent a lot of time sort of keeping to a very small group of friends mm-hmm. and yeah. um and and navigating that. And he was always very happy with that. Yeah. Gavin has spent a lot of time by himself, mostly because of his health and um some of the challenges that he was he's yeah. struggling with for a long time. Um but I think you're right. I mean, I think the way that you guys interact socially is different. Yeah. Amongst the three of you. That was another good point. Um, what else? Food. Food. Yeah. For sure. Food. Yeah. Let's talk about how that has been. Because that has been, and I've said this many times over the years, managing food for you guys has been, next to socks, has been... <laughs> <laughs> like a nightmare until until recently and it's changed so much yeah it's changed a lot especially recently mm-hmm. um so what are your thoughts on that it's like how do you see you and your brothers sort of uh navigating like the sensory because you're talking about sensory stuff with food um sensory and uh just overall menu if that makes sense yeah so go ahead, talk about it. Um, I feel like uh, if we just go 
back in time, say, when I was, like, eight, uh, if we were to do, like, a ranking of who would eat the most food, Gavin would be, obviously, in first. He would eat almost anything. Mm -hmm. Elliot would be in second, and then I would be in dead last. It was to the point where, when I was, like, seven or eight, I would have to have my hot dogs peeled. <laughs> uh and just just so you're clear, like we're not talking about volume of food. Eaten. No, we're talking about like your menu, like yeah. what you were menu, willing what I to would eat. eat. Yeah. Um. And it was like hot dogs, Velveeta mac and cheese, mm -hmm. and ramen noodles, and Tyson chicken nuggets, and Tyson chicken nuggets. They had to be Dino nuggets, though. Mm. The Dino Nuggets just taste better. They, but they, I mean, they taste the same. No, they don't. I realize we've had this debate for years and years. And now, now you're like regular Tyson, like the round chicken nuggets. The but, shape gives them more breading. Okay. I, I, okay. And I know you don't really care about that, but as like an eight year old who was like, Ooh, I want the most breading on my chicken nugget because I don't like the chicken. I like the breading part. No, so that makes sense, but you never said that. No, I didn't. Did you? So was that something you weren't aware of at the time that you're only aware of now? No, not really. And then another thing, goldfish. But talk about the crackers. Yeah, goldfish okay. crackers, the snack that smiles back, goldfish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh. But if you got them in like those big barrels, or cartons or whatever. Oh, those like uh, they were like bags. Yeah, but they folded at the top and they were kind of like rectangular. Bags. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. milk cartons. Yeah, it was a gamble whether they were good or not. Okay, remember that? Yeah, like yeah. it would be like we would go to therapy and it would be like, "Hey, you want a snack? Sure, I'll take some goldfish. Ooh, these, this batch of goldfish is too yeah. salty." It used to drive Patty crazy because you would you would like you'd eat goldfish all the time, right? But then yeah. you pour them out of this container into your like they she had like they had like styrofoam bowls that they would fill up their snacks yeah. with and then we like little paper bowls yeah and then you'd go down in the playroom and you would it was all like play therapy yeah and you would start to eat one and then you'd be like ooh this doesn't taste right and then you would not touch the rest of them so they ended up being thrown away I know or or we would pack them up in like a ziploc bag and take them home and one of your brothers would end up eating them later but but you. Did not like the way they tasted out of that specific container. That that, like the it was more bulk, like yeah. they, were, they were more in bulk, and so they came in like those tubs. Yeah, you know, and you didn't like the you didn't like the way they taste when they came no. out of that. So I wonder if that's sort of like, like with adults, like beer out of a can versus beer out of a bottle or beer on tap, or Coke out of a fountain machine or versus glass a can bottle or something. Or a yeah, can. yeah, that's a, that's that's interesting. Some of it, I think, is just preference because I don't know that it. T but you like you can't use a metal water bottle, no, because you don't like the you don't like the way that water tastes when it comes out of a metal water bottle. Yeah, and I I, hate it. I cannot tell you how many water bottles I have bought you. And I know they you can't use it. You don't use any of. Them. I used to be able to drink out of them, and I used to be able to, uh, like, say, I go somewhere and there's like a little fountain spout in the fridge or whatever mm -hmm. drink water out of there but i can't do it anymore because i taste like all the chemicals and the metallic taste in the water and i hate it okay 
And that's interesting. So, so that brings up a good point. So even, so wow, you had a lot of the, the sensory related issues when you were younger, right? A lot of those have gotten better. Like you, you, they don't, um, they don't bother you like they used to. Yeah. Or you're able to manage it more. Yeah. Uh, but then there are new things that come up along the way where like the metal water bottle thing is relatively new. Another thing I can't drink like water with that in minerals. I hate that taste too. Really? Yeah. Where it's like, so it's like natural, like natural spring water. Yeah. Where, where it's like minerals added for flavor. What flavor makes it taste disgusting? This episode is brought to you by Goalie. Did you know the University of Michigan did a study that found over 80% of apps for kids are designed to lure them into longer gameplay and more in-app purchases? Goalie decided it was time for this to end. Unlike the Kindle and iPad that have endless ads and potentially dangerous content, Goalie is a tablet with only apps that build independent kids. It has no web browser, no social media, and no ads, ever. It has award-winning learning apps like Khan Academy, Duolingo ABC, and Starfall, and the best part? is completely parent-controlled. In my house, we use Goalie's kids calendar to teach my son how to stay on task. He learns life skills like how to make a sandwich by watching one of the hundreds of video classes and can practice it by following along with one of the 50 pre-made routines. As a dad, there's no better feeling than knowing that my son is becoming more independent every day. For more information and to try Goalie risk-free for 30 days, visit getgoalie.com. That's G-E-T-G-O-A-L-L-Y.com and use the code the autism dad to save 10%. Interesting. So, so it's sort of a give and take. So, so in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, the food related sensitivity, sensitive sensitivity, sensitivity has gone dimin- away, has diminished, right? Like you, you eat, your menu is larger than anybody else in the house, easily. Well, not yours. Yeah, there's still things like I won't, I won't eat. Well, you won't touch cheese, and I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, it doesn't have that, to make sense. That's weird to anybody. It really, like, it really is. It is weird to most people to hear that I, yeah. I eat like mozzarella cheese or provolone or something, but that's it. I won't. I can't do. I, I, I don't like anything else. I mean, but those are. I know they're called cheese, and I know they are cheese. You're like, it's not real cheese. No, it is real cheese. But when I think of cheese, I think of, like, Swiss or cheddar. Yeah, or I know you do. Mozzarella. Not provolone. Well, really? Don't hate on me. Provolone. I, like, I don't, don't judge me. I, you could choose Gouda I, why, or Brie I don't even or know any, and, any of any of those See, but, this, okay, so but this, provolone okay that's yeah so <laughs> emmett here right this kid had a menu of like four items for the longest time now uh he has expanded his menu to the point where like he is he is looking for new things to try a lot of times which is a really cool thing to see but I don't know that I fully adjusted to that because, like, the bulk of your life, it was always a nightmare to try and get you to try new yeah, things. Yeah, taste isn't really a problem for me anymore. It's, it's texture. Yeah. I will stay away from crunchy things that are bland. I hate it. Like, so, But there's certain things, like, lettuce or kale I'll tolerate. 
But if it's like peppers where they have skin or celery where it's like stringy. Like grapes? Oh, I hate grapes. I hate them. I know. I despise them. Yeah. The, you know, the, is, it the, is it the skin? I think yeah. we talked about that before. Yeah. Um, Because it's like you get all <laughs> of the good part of the grape and then you're just... Chewing still, on that still, skin to make it go down. That, to still chewing that skin for like three days. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and then I mean, you wake up in the middle of the night and uh, little, feel something in your teeth and you. Oh, it's, a, it's like the flat piece of yeah, grape. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not bothered by that, but I we've talked about this before. I think we talked about it on the pod before, actually. Yeah, about grapes. Uh, like I would have to peel the grapes for you, which isn't gonna. Happen. We never do. We never. That's never that. gonna happen. Um, <laughs> it just that one. I'm telling you, I love you, but that that's that's not gonna happen. Uh, uh, but it's it's just interesting how how even while things have improved, like just how I guess how it evolves over time. Yeah, you know now you are you have very sort of refined taste when it comes to food, so you are more like um wanting to to try more elaborate creations right like fancier food sort of or um things that i have to look up to figure out what it is because i have no idea what it is i've never you want to know what i saw a couple days ago it was this recipe it was a pasta dish uh it was like pot it was ravioli like a type of ravioli with a leek filling with leek sauce made with leek broth that you made with like three leeks i i don't know and you wanted to try that yeah really it it looked amazing really yeah okay well it, maybe 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 you can do that it I, takes like a day to make though well or not a day hour couple hours all right. Well, I guess the the whole point though is, and I guess this is the last question I want to ask you about this because I think it might be helpful to parents. How much did it help you to start preparing food for yourself, if that makes sense? Like when you started cooking, yeah, and experimenting with recipes and stuff like that, that's really when your menu started to open up. Yeah. Can, can you elaborate on that at all like why do you think that that helped you well you you know what you're making okay you go to a restaurant and you like get your kid a stir fry and uh they look and all they see is green ick they don't know what it is and you can tell them but i mean it's not really gonna make a difference all they see is green ick that they don't want to touch okay so you're talking about it's more predictable when you... It's not that it's more predictable. What it is, is when you're making it, you can try it and taste it as you're making it because it's not green ink anymore. So you better... It's something that okay. makes the dish better. All right. That that makes sense. I did a, I did a, a podcast episode where we talked about um, navigating the sensory eating and help allowing your kids to help in meal preparation is incredibly helpful because it allows them to experience the food on a sensory level a little bit at a time instead of just having that green ick like yeah. you described it and then tasting it smelling it 
seeing it and having all of those senses all at one time, it can be very overwhelming. And another thing mm-hmm. is if they see something that they don't know what it is, they're unfamiliar with it, they're going to eat the things they are familiar with first. So say, again, let's just bring up stir fry. Say they Why? Get, that's so random. Well, that's because it's a giant monogamy of different things like beef. Oh my God, you're big words. Rice. Okay, go ahead. Or not rice. Uh, like beef, noodles. onions, pepper. Huh? Whatever, whatever, yeah. Did you just say pickles? I said noodles. Oh, I thought you said pickles. And I, I don't like, like pickles. Yeah, I hate vinegar. That's another thing. I hate vinegar. Yeah, um, okay. I, I agree with you, but go ahead. But yeah, anyway, say you just get a stir fry and it has beef and peppers and onions and stuff like that. Hmm? Say the kid is familiar with the beef and onions and they know they like those things. But they, they're sort of unsure about the, uh, maybe ick. Uh, and so they eat the beef and onions. And then all they're left with is this thing that they're unfamiliar with. And so when you eat something like a stir fry, you're supposed to eat it with everything mixed because it makes everything taste better. And so when you eat just the peppers, it's just a cooked pepper and it's not going to taste as good as it should have with everything mixed. And so the kid will associate that green pepper mm-hmm. and anything with that weird ick that was just left over after that stir fry. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. Doesn't make any sense. I have no idea what you were saying, but I, I think that I, I well, I, I sort of understand what you're saying. You just kind of lost me. It was a very long, it was thing. long. It was, it was pretty long. Um, okay. So, so basically though, when you were able to start helping with food preparation, you found yourself, wanting to try more things okay so so we talked about your stuff but like when it comes to your brothers right they they dealt with things in a very different way like gavin was more visual you know like he i i remember having to pick the little specks of seasoning out of pasta sauce because if he saw anything other than red he would freak out and wouldn't touch it really oh my god yes oh my god yes and it it was so frustrating he was another one we had to peel hot dogs for and that's disgusting. I don't know if anybody's killed a hot dog. It's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> I don't know how we consider that food, but it's absolutely, it's gross. Well, if you make them yourself and they like, no, I'm saying if you make them at home and like you get them at a butcher shop mm-hmm. where they're actually good, it's like a really good, just fine minced sausage. Okay. Okay. Instead of. Well. Cancerous way, peeling, peeling hot dogs is disgusting, but that was <laughs> what that was one of the few things that he would eat for the longest time. And uh, oh, I'm get, like, I, I don't even like thinking about it anymore. It was really gross, <laughs> but but that was, I mean, it was like that for the longest time. And you know, things couldn't touch, there were certain colors. He, he was very, it was very like um, visual for him, so like he couldn't have there, there were certain colors, sort of like monk. I love Monk, right? The show Monk. And, you know, he ha- Monk has thing about, like, he has fears of, like, white foods or whatever. Gavin was very similar to that in the sense that it was the color of the food rather than the taste or the texture that really he struggled with. Now, he, I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's really anything that he won't tr- at least try. He does really well. I mean, he's, uh, he has a really good menu now. He cooks for himself. And I think that helped too. Elliot is the same way. You know, he, 
he never struggled as much with food. Like his, his menu, I don't think was nearly as limited as yours was, but he also doesn't eat meat. Oh yeah. And there's no, but there's no explanation for that. Like he, he can't say why he just says he doesn't like it, but he's never really eaten it. So how do you know? Uh, but that's just the thing for him. He doesn't like the texture and he hates beef. Yeah. He does. It's a, and it's a, te- it's a texture thing. He doesn't like the texture. Um, I've gotten that much out of him, but the rest of it is just, it is what it is. What it could be is, uh, you remember that old charcoal grill we used to have mm-hmm. and how we would have like cookouts on it. Okay. Uh, what I was saying was maybe his like first experience with beef was so bad. <laughs> Nothing against you because your cook, cooking is fine, right? Mm-hmm. But it could have just been a texture thing for him, and he just didn't like it. And well, so, he generalized it and just never Yeah, back. so say That's he had possible. a hamburger, and he didn't like the texture of ground beef, so he just generalized it for all beef. Yeah, I, I have I have no idea, and I'll have to have him on the show, and we'll have a conversation about why he, uh, why he feels that way. But bottom line is that... Even though you all share the same diagnosis and you, you have some of the same challenges, right? All the sensory stuff and whatever, you each experience it in a different way. And so there was never one approach that worked for all three of you at the same time. And that was very difficult to manage. And, and then you, you factor in the ADHD, which is, a, which is a whole other thing. Gavin was never diagnosed with ADHD, but you and Elliot both were at a very early Yeah, how age. about you throw Elliot under the bus for right now and you throw me under later? Because I know, to... I know what you're going to say. You have no idea what I'm going to say. I, I absolutely know what you're going to say about me. I have nothing bad to say about any of my kids. Hmm? I have nothing bad <laughs> to say about any of my kids. What I was going to say was that you and Elliot presented very differently with ADHD. Yeah. You were very impulsive. You have all that extra energy. Yeah. Elliot does not he is more um he presents more like i do Mm -hmm. i think and he's the overthinker he's up late at night because he can't shut his brain off that kind of stuff i have a question what is your question uh did you uh forget about any other things about me like uh i normally do forget yeah no you 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 didn't say that because i haven't gotten to it yet well yeah you just sort of you are you gonna let me finish? You sort of like half threw me under the bus. You like, I'm not throwing. You just stuck my legs under there, and you left yeah. me to suffer for a minute. Uh, oh my god! And I'm so- not. I, okay, time. Let me, let me finish what I was gonna say. I'm gonna bring it all around. I'll bring it all. Okay. Around. So, so yeah, Elliot presents similarly to how I do, right? Like, and I was diagnosed, uh, right before my 44th birthday, so about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And I had no idea that I was, that I had ADHD because I had always assumed that it was, uh, that hyperactive, that impulsiveness. And I've not, that's not me, but knowing that I've, I I have ADHD and I went through that whole diagnostic process and did that whole, all the testing, whatever, I recognize that what I am experiencing is probably very similar to what Elliot experiences. And it's very different than what Emmett experiences, even though we're all diagnosed with the same thing, right? ADHD. Uh, Emmett is very impulsive, although you do a lot better now. You're not nearly as impulsive. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I, not. I'm not that impulsive. I love the voice crack. Did you hear that? Yeah, we're hello gonna puberty. Cut that. Hello puberty. No, we're gonna cut that. Uh, but yeah, you used to be very impulsive. You're much better 
more in control of yourself now, I think. Yeah. Um, you, you do have some excessive energy still. Uh, but that's just my personality. It's just your personality. <laughs> you can't get rid of that. No, but no. And I, I wouldn't, but you, you are forgetful. You are very forgetful. And that's, we're, we're that's the one gonna, thing that we're, we're gonna, not going to talk about that. But listen, we're going to talk about it and you're going to forget about it in the next five <laughs> minutes. That, uh, that I'm oh, offended. It's so true, though. No, we have, it so ain't. Emmett, and I, Emmett and I have this ongoing <laughs> battle, right? I'll say something to him. I'll say, Emmett, I need you to put this away. And he'll say, okay, dad, no problem. And I'll come back five minutes later and he's still sitting there not doing anything. And I'll be like, Emmett. I need you to put this away, please. And he's like, okay, dad, no problem. And we'll go through this for like, it'll be like 10 times sometimes in, in the course of maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And, and it gets to the point where I get really frustrated. And I'm like, Emmett, John, stop what you're doing. Pick that up and put it away. I need you to get this done. I've asked you like 10 times. And he looks at me like I'm asking him for the first time and he doesn't understand why I'm so upset. And that just, oh my God, it drives me nuts. But, but the reality is, that he just, he doesn't remember. Like, I mean, you might remember after we bring it up and we have the discussion, but like he is so easily distracted that <laughs> that he just follows the shiny. And I, I do the same, I, I do the <laughs> follow same thing. The shiny. You follow the shiny, right? You're it's the squirrel <laughs> and the butterfly, right? Like, so so I'll say, Emma, I need you to pick this up. And he he fully intends to do it. I don't think he's, he's not being lazy or uh, trying to give me a hard time. He fully intends to do it. Until his phone vibrates. And then it's like, oh, there's a message. I got to look at that. And then he looks at that. And then it's like, oh, I wonder what's on TikTok. And so we start scrolling through TikTok. And, and immediately what I asked him to do is, is out the window. And it's, it's so far along gone that, that I'm literally having the conversation with him over and over and over again. Like it's the first time we've had the conversation. And it's very frustrating for me. And it's sort of become like a joke between him and I. Uh, but it is, it is frustrating. And when I get to a point where I'm really frustrated and I'm, I'm, I'm not as nice about what I'm asking you to do or telling you to do, then he gets upset with me because I'm, I'm like coming at him or something. And it's like, dude, like we have had, we have talked about this like 15 times in like the last hour. And every time you say you're going to do it and you don't. I need you to stop what you're doing right now and go do it. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to watch you do it just so that we know it gets done. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to be patient because it is that repetition. But the reality is you're not doing it on purpose. You're not right. Yeah. No, you're not. Or did you just say, yes, you are. Are you doing it on purpose? No, not doing it on purpose? no, no. Oh. I was agreeing with you. I was like, yeah, you're like, you're not doing it on purpose. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. That no. Was... Okay. I thought you meant like, yeah, I am. And I'm thinking, what is going like, there's no way there's no, no way. And then I was getting, then I started to get like, are you freaking kidding me? But I could see you doing it. This is a kid, right? Okay. So Emmett is, is, is still very impulsive. You do a lot better, but you are still very impulsive, right? You're mean. No, I'm not. But yeah, you are. What, you have no idea where I'm going with this. But. Uh, was it going to be me hiding under your bed? For yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> Damn okay. It. So, so Emmett, right? Emmett is still impulsive. You are still impulsive. Yeah. 
much better than what you used to be, but you, you yeah. still are impulsive. Yeah. And this kid doesn't always have the patience to whatever. But let me tell you what. He <laughs> will hide under my bed and wait for hours silently for me to climb into bed solely so that he can jump out and scare the crap out of me. <laughs> and he has done this, I don't know how many times. It's to the point now, honestly, where I have to know where he is before I go into my room and close the door <laughs> because... I don't want to be caught off guard, but for a kid who is so impulsive and can't like, like always manage those impulses, he can hide under my bed for three hours, literally under my bed for three hours. And then stay silent and stay silent for an additional amount of time, just so that my guard is down. And then he'll, he'll hop out or he'll make some noise that makes it just freaks me out. And then all I hear is him belly laughing from under my bed. I think the max time I waited is like five hours. Well, there's one time you fell asleep. No, I. I yeah, there was one time you you. Oh, you're talking about the time uh, when you were on your phone doing whatever you were watching like Justice League or something. Naya, uh, I was like, you know what? I'm probably only gonna get like a few feet in before he notices me, but I'm gonna like army crawl across the floor uh, yeah across this floor through uh through the room and uh just watch the justice league because that's what i wanted to do and so i did that and then i fell asleep and then dad uh, was getting up and he was like how did you get in here so the point is the point is that as impulsive as he is or can be he can also be insanely patient yeah and silent as much as you talk and as loud yeah. as you are, you were silent when you put your mind to it. You you were yeah. like, it is so worth it because I'm not going to say where because I'm going to hear my dad scream and freak out and and be terrified. <laughs> and he, it's worth it. Maybe that's the payout. Maybe that's why you're able to do it. But and then like, the last time I did it was a couple days ago. It was unintentional. Uh, I, oh, yeah, yeah. So the long and short of this is that the whole message today, and we just kind of got lost in the conversation and kind of had fun with this, but the reality is that just because two people share the same diagnosis does not mean that they present the same way. And that's sort of the, the takeaway that we hope that you walk away from with this because, uh, you know, having, having four neurodivergent people living in the same house, three that have overlapping diagnoses, uh, none of us are the same. We all need and want different things. We we all present in different ways. And I think it's important that we understand that. Yeah. Do you have anything more to say than yeah? Like what? Something profound? Uh, I don't know. Um. <laughs> That's a very awkward silence. <laughs> what do I do? Like just say a life lesson? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just messing with you. Uh, do you, I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment to, yeah. to kind of point out that everybody is, di everybody's different Yeah, and you needed different things than your brothers did. They needed different things than you did, yep. even though you have the same diagnosis. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's the message. Everybody's different. Yep. Everybody's different. And we'll expand upon that just one more notch and say, that because everybody is so different and so unique, even though they have the same diagnosis, it stands to reason that parenting those people who are unique might take a unique approach. So just because somebody uh, is raising a kid with autism does not mean they're going to be doing it the same way that you are. 
or vice versa, or that their kids are going to present the same way or need the same things or benefit from the same therapies. So it's just, uh, it's be nice to each other. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that was the message for today. I appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in. Thank you so much. Please keep your questions coming. Uh, we love answering them. So yeah. Awesome. All right. You guys have a great week. Bye. Bye. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you.